Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Come Along Pond, a Doctor Who discussion podcast with your two best friends, Elliot. And Damla. That's her, there she is, she's here. Yeah. What a sight. Just about, I'm just about here. Um, before we go any further, if I, if my voice sounds a bit funny, it's because I'm recovering from a hay fever cold situation. Because you know what, the pollen in the UK is really just coming for me this year, like, I really don't understand. It's been a real cocktail of shit. Um, yeah, no, it really has. It really has. Like, I don't normally suffer with hay fever, but I've been sleeping with the window open and it's been hitting me, uh, and I hope you don't mind the expression, in the balls. Yeah, it's um, really bad, isn't yeah. it? I had to get some antihistamines yesterday. Oh, uh, I've tried four different ones and none of them work, so, you know, whatever, we move. Tell you what, shout out to someone who definitely isn't listening to this, but um, Andrew, who's one of my managers at work, lovely man, um, said that he takes them before he goes to sleep, so it clears him up in the morning. I took mine before I went to sleep last night, woke up this morning, refreshed. You'd really? Knew them. Yeah, I think because, you know, all processes when you, because obviously I should mention it happens on the early hours of the morning. I don't know. I'm not a doctor science man. But speaking of someone who is, hello, this is a Doctor Who Discussion podcast. How, <laughs> how, how's it going? I don't really know where we are. Um, Dan was fine. I'm fine. Situation normal. Everything's yes. fine. Yes. Yeah. How are you? Apart from feeling like death, um, I'm good. I am good. <laughs> It's just also yeah. really hot. Do you know what? Actually, I lied. I'm not okay. I, I feel miserable. <laughs> she's hot. She's sick. She's here tonight. It's Damla. Somewhat. Somewhat, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, I'm chill as well. Good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Like nothing to report. But you know what we should report on? No, that was bad. Do you know what? Let's just go to the three mails. Can't even be bothered to think of a segue. Fuck it. It's one of those days. Um, well, because you're sick, and I mean, you're always sick, like sick. Um, I'm sick and I'm married. You know, same as you're always hot. But because you're sick, um, I bought email quarter to you this week rather than you having to go on the eight mile track to get Thank there. you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. That's okay. Um, Other Elliot wasn't very happy about it, but um, uh, he's my, my evil cisgender doppelganger uh, and is now hiding. Uh, away so you got me this week <laughs> hello everybody <laughs> so we have a lovely first email here from amy and she says hello damla and Elliot. hello amy hey thank you for your amazing podcast that's amy saying that to us not us uh, although <laughs> you have a podcast amy i'm sure it is amazing i listen to it on my commute and it's like hanging out with friends it's so heartwarming my favorite companion is rose she was my first and in the eccleston era and I wanted to be her when I grew up. Uh, the Same. amazing confusion of every gay Doctor Who fan is do they want to be Rose or uh, be with Rose? Oh, yeah. A bit of both. Little column A, little column B. 
I've grown up now and nowhere near as cool as her, but hopefully her good nature has rubbed off on me as the world always needs kindness. Plus, I love to travel and learn new things. Amazing. Love that. This leads me to a question I have for you. <gasps> if the Doctor landed the TARDIS on your doorstep and you were chosen as a companion, what sort of companion would you be? Why has the Doctor chosen you to come along? Pond. She didn't say that, but I added that in. Love that. Um, keep up the good work. Uh, I look forward to your next episode. You deserve all the praise. Amy. She, her. Thanks, Amy. Lovely. Damn, what kind of companion would you be? Besides being, obviously, the colossal dick that I know you are. What kind of companion would you be? <laughs> exactly. I would be um, very much bad bitch vibes. Very much like, I'm not taking the doctor's shit. Like, basically Donna, kind mm. of. Like a Donna vibe, I think. Um, oh, yeah. That's what I'd want to be because in reality I'd be needy, scared, and afraid. So, <laughs> yes, that's my answer. What about you? Oh yeah, I mean, like it's you know, in in theory, yeah, oh, I'd be I'd be really really cool. You know, I'd be the daring Ian Chesterton man of action, but in reality, I'm Adric. Everybody hates you, and you get on their nerves. <laughs> I feel that. Um, I feel that. But yeah, you just want to reflect the the doctors. Values. I think I'd also enjoy seeing more of Earth's past than mm. the future. Yeah. I think that's but cool. But then I say that and I'd go into space and it'll blow my tiny mind. I, I prefer, I mean, I've said this before, I think once or twice on the podcast, but like I would prefer to go into the past because the future scares me and I don't like it. Yeah, and it's all like undecided and stuff, whereas there's shit in the past that you want to have seen. Yeah. Well, thank you, Amy. That was. Very nice. Well, the next email here is from Alex, and he says, Hi, Elliot and Damler. <laughs> I win. And also, the Dini name's not capitalised. I double win. My name's Alex. I'm 16. I'm in the middle of my GCSEs. Well, good luck with that. Bloody, yeah. genuinely really good luck. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I can't imagine um, how that is. Well, of course, I'm sure that if you're a purveyor of such good taste to listen to this podcast that you're also highly intellectual, so I'm sure you'll do absolutely fine. Um, you know, you get to go to college if you want to go to college. If not, I'm sure you will flourish with whatever it is you choose to do, young Alex. <laughs> I'm in the middle of my GCSEs and I absolutely love the podcast. Okay, but don't let it distract you from revising. Sorry, I don't go your tangents. Yeah, don't no, let it distract genuine. You. <laughs> I listen to it as much as, as much as I possibly can, and in my opinion, it's the best Doctor Who podcast. Well... Thank you for that. That's very nice. That is your I, opinion, and we appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, I'm inclined to agree, only because you know it's my it's my own one. But <laughs> but no, we appreciate that. Um, it's an absolute joy to listen to you both. I also have uh, arthritis, and the podcast has really helped sometimes with the pain. Uh, I love your dynamic duo that you both are. Please, can you read this out on the pod? Well, you're in luck, Alex. I have just read it out on the pod, um, and you know definitely. Very, very complimentary. Almost too complimentary, but we'd love to hear from you. Genuinely, yeah. good luck with your exams. Yeah, good luck. Thank you so much. And our final email here is from Laura, and she says, Hi, Damler and Elliot. In the last podcast, the Lazarus Experiment, <laughs> get with the times. That wasn't the last one. Sorry, it's <laughs> taken so long to read this out. Um, <laughs> Elliot mentioned how having visited the location parts where the episode were filmed changed their enjoyment of the episode, and I wanted to share my experience. Well, I mean, you know, I'd say... Change my enjoyment for the positive because at least you know when I'm watching something like the Lazarus Experiment, I can go, "Oh, look, it's the oh. um, <laughs> rather than you know, yeah." Anyway, I can't say that my choice of university wasn't influenced by my love of Doctor Who, with it famously being filmed in Cardiff. But I did underestimate how there was a different scene location around every corner. In my first year, I couldn't work out why I always got a weird feeling and a bit of a sense of deja vu whilst walking through the Cathedral Green on my way from halls to lectures until I realised in my last week that it was where Amy and the 11th Doctor were looking at the ducks in the pond with no ducks. Oh. I also have memories of cycling down a road and having to stop as I cycle past the church from Father's Day. Yeah. The best, though, had to be in the summer after my first year of watching Extremis, 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 I don't really know how to pronounce it, when Bill and Nardole didn't walk into the... Into, uh, CERN, again, sorry if I'm butchering this, C-E-R-N, but it's capitalised, I'm going to say CERN. Um, depends if it's an initialism or an acronym, I guess. Uh, but the cafe at my uni where I'd waited and had lunch between lectures. My last revelation was that the job I had before moving away from Cardiff, I was working based at a castle that just happened to be the Faris Institute exterior from the Sarah Jane Adventures. Oh. And that's where the John Sims Master's Cabinet Room was filmed. 
Amazing. Good Love trivia. that. Sometimes I find it can pull me out of episodes, especially when they use the same location for different episodes. Right? Oh my god, fucking Cardiff City Museum is in every single story. It is but mad. it also makes me feel closer to my favourite shows. Keep being awesome, Laura. She, her. No, Laura, you keep being awesome. Yeah, thank you for that. Oh, but honestly, like, when I... Obviously, I'm into Wales in a long time now. Like, the last time I went to Cardiff was, like, 2012 or something. She never visits me. I never visit you, because I hate you. Um, <laughs> um, anywhere you go in Cardiff, it's like, oh, that was in Doctor Who. That that was... that was Oh, that was also... Yes, and that. And that. Yeah, it's yeah. mad. <laughs> well, wherever you are now in the world that's not Doctor Who related, I hope you're having a nice time. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Well, you see... That's a good thing. We now don't have to take 20 minutes to get away from Email Corner because Email Corner came to you. So I'm just going to put it back in its box and we can carry on. Yeah. Thank you for that. I do appreciate it. Oh, that's all right. I just do anything I can to make your life better. And you know why? It's in my nature. My human nature. (laughs) Roll credits. Roll credits, bitch. So, as you may have been able to tell from the the ride ditty up top, we are talking about episode 8 of series 3 of Doctor Who. It was broadcast on the 26th of May 2007. It was directed by Charlie Palmer. It was written by Paul Cornell. And it's called Human Nature. Damler. Yes. Hello. Um, Hello. (laughs) I've got something bubbling deep inside me. Right. It's... It's plagued to the great philosophers, Aristotle, Dolly Parton. <laughs> I know what this episode's about. Yeah. I know what IMDb thinks it's about. Yeah. Pretty sure I know what Google thinks it's about. Hopefully. Hope so. I wonder what you think it's about. Little old me, what do I think it's about? Um, Just leave the scarecrows alone. Do you know what you mean? Like, they, they're, they're there to serve a purpose and they're fucking creepy. They're never not creepy. Pearl, I'm looking at you. Leave the bloody scarecrows alone. Seriously, <laughs> stop it. Just leave the scarecrows be. <laughs> Fair. What do you think it's about? Yeah, I think this this is just a real, real nice lesson in how, you know, obviously, First World War, horrendous tragedy. It should never have happened took the lives of so many innocent young men. But also, some of those young men, kind of dicks. I'm not saying they deserved it, but, you know, it's either go off to die or become a Tory MP. So, so there you, know, you go. There have it your way. You go. There you go. I mean, <laughs> oh, the... God, oh, no. They've done politics bad because I don't like conservatives. Oh, oh God. Anyway, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, yeah, this is an episode of Doctor Who. Um... It's right. This is right. Okay. <laughs> like like a widower who's gone to Turkey to get his teeth sorted. There's a lot of unpacking to do. No, honestly, like genuinely. <laughs> um... <laughs> no, sorry. I just I, sorry. I'm just really pleased that you just you just completely just yeah like that's a perfectly normal thing. <laughs> like I mean, no, it's but good. it is. That's broad. That's broadcasting professionalism. I'm the one who's fucked it up by laughing at my own joke, but. I'm just really glad that you're just like, yeah, of course, that's a perfectly normal comparator to make. Do you know what it is, though? It's because I'm watching Love Island at the minute and everyone's talking about turkey teeth. So, like... Yeah. Right, so here's the gag. Um, Like I said, up top, a lot of discourse around this episode. As I feel like, in a way, there should be. But also, in a way, I think a lot of people need to really think before they type on Twitter in general um because there's been so much discourse around this whole thing um in like over the years not just recent like over the years the main thing being that Martha is taken to a time period that she has to stay in for a prolonged amount of time where she is definitely not safe because it's 1913 and she is a woman of color 
I think it's simply, I don't know. Obviously, again, we are we are not people of colour. Elliot and I, we aren't, right? So our opinion doesn't actually really matter. It's also, I think, of course, based... Um, and, you know, I have, I have some quick thoughts, which, you know, we'll, we'll run through. But I think as well, just on that point, it's also based off a book, right? It's based off one of Paul Cornell's Virgin New Adventure books that start the Seventh Doctor. Like, I think, I assume that he likes the time period, the sort of thematic resonance of the kind of first world war looming got a commission for the series and it just so happens that it's obviously a series that has a black companion in it and instead of transposing the idea somewhere else or changing its location he went with the kind of the the thematic resonance story side of it to make it work um i think this is a really odd case of kind of damned if you do damned if you don't yes um, yeah and I think, like Daniel said, you know, we're not people of colour, we're not going to speak on people of colour's behalf. But also, I think some people need to realise as well that it's, obviously, people of colour aren't any kind of unanimous group that all agree on some things. Some people think that, you know, and it's kind of, I think, the attitude that a lot of Series 3 takes is the, you know, you don't address it because then you're kind of being progressive because she's not a black woman, she's just a woman. On the other hand, though, there are obviously people who think, and you know, I'm not saying one side is right or wrong, but of course, you know, you should be able to acknowledge their suffering, their life experiences, that should inform the character and also you know, make it more relatable for audiences. And then I think they try and do that in this episode, but again, they kind of try and do it as lightly as they can. And it, I mean, it kind of comes off a bit awkward in places, but like some people don't like that they reference it at all, some people like that they do. And I think if you're not a person of colour getting upset about it, you should just seek out people who talk about Doctor Who content, even if it's on Twitter, who are people of colour, and just kind of engage with them in discussions about it, rather than just kind of screaming both positively or negatively into your own void, Yeah, which yeah, is kind yeah. of a bit weird. That's all we're going to do. Yeah, we're not going to stand here and be like, actually, no, this is why it's fine, and if anybody gets upset by this, it's, you know, you're totally wrong to, because people do, but I'm, you know, just saying, if you are white and this episode really upsets you, you kind of need to engage a bit more with how people who are actually affected by the issues feel about it. Um, and then if they still don't like it, that's fine. That's fine. And you're still, you can still dislike what you dislike, right? You can still find things offensive. It's not a problem. But some people are, I think, a bit too weirdly militant about it. But when I said you should seek out people of colour who talk about Doctor Who, you should. But also, of course, you know. They're not always just there to educate you, you know. Exactly, yeah. Self-reflection thinking is also involved as well. Don't just assume that they can form an opinion for you because you need to do some learning and some reading and some thinking. Exactly. But yeah, so at the end of the day, that's that on that. Do you know what I mean? So let's talk about how fucking annoying John Smith is. Yeah, can we just get to it? Can we just get to the fucking point right now? I have two overriding thoughts about John Smith. Which is, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of like that he's a bit of a dick, but not necessarily because he's not a good person, but just because school teachers in 1913 were fucking dicks. Yeah, this is it. Um, no, but this is it. Yeah, yeah. But also, and it's something we'll, I guess, we'll talk about throughout the episode. But it's generally, I think, why I have an issue with the episode is that David is such a good actor. Oh, yeah. He loses himself so much in John Smith that I actually don't, I don't feel like I'm watching the Doctor transpose into another person, changing into another person. I'm watching an episode of Doctor Who where the stakes are high. I just kind of feel like I'm watching a bit of a different show at points. It has that kind of lack of chart. I just don't ever feel like I'm watching David as the Doctor in disguise. I feel like I'm watching David do another role, and mm. as I say this testament to how good his acting is but the character of John Smith is just so kind of, oh it's another David Tennant performance for me the, which I mean is intention, I mean in theory right, you hit the brief on the head, that's what you want John Smith's a whole different person, he's not the Doctor and you know it proves that David's a really good actor but it means I struggle I really struggle <laughs> to get through it, I'm not going to lie. Do you know what this episode's giving? 
it's giving me some murder vibes. Like the way it's edited, the way it's shot, <laughs> the way it, the the tone for a lot of it is Midsummer Murders. Oh yeah. So I actually completely agree because I feel like this episode is so it just feels very removed. I don't know. I I, yeah. I don't know. Like, and I think part of that problem as well is you know I guess something I'll come back to later. But like, uh, maybe it's a massive hot take that I have, and I don't know. But like, the family just don't feel fleshed out really. Mm. Like, yeah. Considering they have, they do have quite a few scenes on their own. They just don't feel anything ever, anything more than just kind of their oh they're the bad guys who are there to stop John Smith, and it means that well you've either got boring love stuff going on or you have scenes with underdeveloped aliens because I don't really care. I think do you know what you really it, we're going to be jumping back quite a bit, jumping back and forth quite a bit in this episode. By the way, just to warn you because um we're both chaotic anyway. <laughs> but um. I think there was some really great opportunities to develop the family a bit more. Like when Harry Lloyd's character, what's his bloody name? Oh, Don. Baines. When Baines was being, um, when he was being kind of possessed and when Jenny was being possessed, those scenes were so scary and the way they were shot and the way they were kind of like targeted and stuff. I feel like that could have been a moment for one of those moments to, like, to just give a little bit of backstory. Not too much exposition per se, but like just give a little bit of like, you know, because what we get from the family is they need time lords to like survive for like hundreds of years, right? They have to like eat, kill them, eat them, whatever, to make themselves survive longer. And they're, you know, they're about to die. They're like, so they really need one. And obviously, the doctor at that point is the only time lord in existence. So that's what they have to do. I think it could have been really interesting to have them try and have a hint in there about the present day where they had like a scent of it but like because mm. then you think oh they're talking about the doctor but then you realize that you're like oh no 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 they're talking about harold saxon i don't know that's just a tidbit the side note from- no no it's a good idea actually because this because something i do like about this episode is just how neatly it helps set up the three-part finale obviously it's coming very soon I love that the um, fob watch is just like the way it's introduced. I think it, that's really good. Circling, circling. No, no, so definitely circling back. Um, I actually really enjoy um, that the start of the episode kind of subverts the whole like it was all a dream yeah. trope. Yeah. Like you're watching adventure, and then you know John Smith wakes up, and you could like you know if obviously they would never would, but you know if you were a dick, you could end the series there. You could. Like, oh, man wakes up in his bed and he's dreamt the past thousand episodes of Doctor Who. I really like that. I mean, I love when an episode starts with action and you don't know what's going on. You're like, what? 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 Slow down. Stop screaming. Ah. And I think it's very clever cutting away from it and showing his bits later on. We'll get to that. We will. Um, But I love an ambiguous start. I think it's really fun and it always just kind of grabs you. It just grabs you. It's like, oh, what's going on? Um. But yeah, so John Smith, let's talk about it. So I want to just say this right right here, right now, on the record, on the fucking record, okay? I'm getting at it, especially me, because um, I'm very, very passionate about it. Um, and it agree, you agree with me, but like I'm more like, mate, do you know what I mean? Ugh. I'm giving it the mouth, as always. Um, the, the South East London, you know, energy. Um, yeah, I think we we disagree in some points. Yeah. And I'm also calmer. Exactly. Um, but I always <clears> at, I always bring up an at 10 about his behaviour towards Martha. And we, you know, we like you guys know, we always put like clips up on TikTok and Instagram. And 10, you know, stands, like really intense 10 stands who scare me, actually, like really, truly scare me. They're just like, mm. it's not that deep. Um, why are you, why, why did, you, did you even like doc- the doctor? Da-da-da-da. And it's like, if you even, li- if you even, listen to this podcast you know you'd know that 10 for for me is my doctor like he is my favorite and part of why is because he is very flawed he's very flawed and i'm allowed to point out if he's being a dickhead because he is it's not a matter of opinion it's a matter of fact he is being a dick to martha in series three it's a fact and i will not argue with the wall actually argue with the wall do you know what i mean um sorry i feel like i got a bit serious I feel like I got a bit serious, no, no, but like, true. and you're more than welcome to also enjoy that as well. Like again, I think sometimes when me and Daniel disagree, I quite I like it when the doctor's a bit spiky. Mm. Sometimes it's too much and too far, and sometimes the victim of the writing in this series. But I prefer it when the doctor's a bit of a dick. Yeah. Um, but you know, doesn't mean that people who don't like it 
you can't criticize it and you can't see criticisms where they're valid. Do you know what I mean? Like, so people just need to chill, basically. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things because I know John Smith is not 10. He is different. He is literally a different person. He's not the doctor at all. Um, but I just wanted to get that out of the way because I know people are going to fucking at me about it. And it's like, actually argue with the wall. I don't care. Like, 10 is a dick to Martha. Am I God a woman? Like, something that I like? How dare she? Do you know what I mean? It's very that. It's very that. And then there's also the people who just don't like Martha and who are like, yeah, fuck her in it. I don't care. And it's like, okay, well, get fucked. I don't care. Like, Martha's my favorite companion. And what? And what? I feel like it's know? because the the mouth breeders who jade some of our comment sections, um, they don't know that I'm non-binary. They'd have a field day with that. Um, yeah. But they hear yeah. my voice. They go, oh, good, the man's talking. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's just, yeah, I just, I just wanted to get that out of the way. I'll leave it there. But, yeah, John Smith, the reason I find him so annoying, and in a way, it's kind of good. I didn't want john smith to be like 10 like you want him to feel vastly different and funnily enough yeah something that has come up a lot of times on this podcast is i've said like when i was younger i felt a certain way about an episode and now as i've gotten older my thoughts have naturally changed my opinions have changed mm. funnily enough with this two parts they've stayed exactly the same because same actually yeah yeah it's weird right like ever since i was a kid i have found john smith and nurse redfern annoying as fuck like when i watch them i'm just like wow i'm bored I'm so unbelievably bored of the pair of you. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's a period romance, but just not done well. I like some of the awkward kind of, oh, it's 1913 and we can't flirt properly, so I'm going to yeah, flirt. Yeah. I, some of that's quite cute. And I mean, I love Jessica Hines. Oh um, my God, yeah, no, like, we'll talk about the cast, like, geez. She, she's, always my, she's always my top choice for a, for a doctor, whenever there's a doctor to be cast always like get Jessica Hines I have so much time for that woman like she's so good years and years so good not Nurse Redfin I don't have time for her but I mean Nurse Redfin's fine alright she's not as interesting as John Smith she's just not right I just think I just think I don't know what they were trying to achieve of making her and her so unlikable to me she's unlikable again that's for me for me she's unlikable See, I don't think she's I don't think she's unlikable. I think a lot of people really have a problem with Nurse Redford, and I don't really get it. Um, I just wanted I more like, from her. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because I feel like especially a lot of people have a lot of problems with how she treats Martha. But I feel like there's only really one scene where she's kind of a bit cutting with her, and that's when she's fixing the stitches in John Smith's head. But it's like, you know, again, even if you don't, which I mean, there is obviously, but even if you don't think there's like a racial implication to that, which again, there is, but like, why would you believe that, you know, you just got to remember, you got to, the time, the time, yeah. the context. Yeah. She is a qualified nurse. She's being told by someone who scrubs the floors how to do it. We know as an audience that Martha knows what she's looking for. That's the joke. It's a bit of irony. You're meant to find that bit funny. And also go, oh, poor Martha. I feel like sometimes the problem people have is that they confuse the way a scene is meant to make you feel um, for it being bad. So, like, if you watch, I don't know, a movie and it makes you feel disgusted, you get people now who are like, you know, oh, that's horrible, horrible, horrible movie. It's you know, awful. The director's the director, right, is a terrible person because, you know, they've put this thing on screen. They've made me feel like a shit person. So if that's what they're intending, I'm not saying you have to like it. If that's what they're intending, guess what, buddy? It worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If in that scene you go, fucking Nurse Redfern's a bit of a dick. Well, guess what? Your problem's not with Nurse Redfern. The script has worked wonders. That's what it's meant to do. It's meant the acting, the directing is on point. And I don't understand this kind of modern trend of just everything has to be... A character has to physically stand and turn and uh, just tell you that the world is okay and that your feelings can't be hurt and that where there's always darkness, there's always light. Like, you're literally watching Doctor Who. That's what the Doctor represents. I don't understand. I just... I'm sorry, but if if you're listening and you're like that, I I fucking hate you. Okay, we're not adding our audience today. We're adding commenters online. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't... I, the thing is, Elliot, I actually like, but, agree with that. I do agree with that. And yeah, I'm, I, I'm not saying it's you, by the way. No, just, no, I know that. I know that. No, I know that. It's how people talk about this episode. Next time, fucking at me, yeah? No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, 
Don't we have bad takes? <laughs> I actually agree with you. Like with majority of content, if it's done that and it's made that, it's given you that reaction, then it works and the filmmaker has done their job. For me, with Nurse Redfern, and the thing is, I do kind of like that she's unlikable in a way, but I also don't understand why. They, I don't. I just don't feel that much sympathy for her. Maybe that's just me, and I'm cold-hearted. I don't. No, I mean, know. Like, I still don't think that she's. I don't think she's a particularly deep character. I feel like when people kind of talk about the show, uh, the episode positively, and like, oh, you know, the, the love between her and John Smith. I don't ever really feel it. Like, uh, you know, it's more. I guess based. It's more based in the second part when. He becomes the doctor again and they're trying to do some kind of broken hearted stuff. I don't ever really get it. I don't feel it. But yeah, I just had to uh, talk about people who sort of watch TV shows wrong. Um, do you know what? <laughs> I actually think you've made a really good point. Do you know what I think it might be? Do you know what I think my problem is? Okay, I'm the problem. I've accepted. It's me. <laughs> anyway, um, I think it's probably because she feels so underdeveloped and their relationship is so rushed that I don't care. Oh yeah. Because if it was like a little bit of a montage, like they met ages ago and they've been there for a while now. Like, does uh, Dr. Martha have actually been there for a lot longer than we think? Um, and we see that development. And again, I know it's only a two part, but like fucking whatever. I just think if they were developed a bit more and I actually felt for them as a relationship, I would absolutely understand where she's coming from. And yes, okay. In part two, when he says bye to her, we'll get, to, I won't talk about it too much here because we'll talk about that in the next episode. But, when he when she leaves, sorry, when he leaves her, I, obviously my heart goes out to her in a way because it's sad. Yeah. But also part of me is like, you're both annoying. I don't know. Do you know what? It's called nuance, guys. <laughs> it's called nuance. Yeah. I just, they're flirting. It hurts me. It, it hurts to watch. And again, I know there's that element of like, oh, back back in the day, people didn't know how to flirt. They were very like yeah. awkward. Like, some of it, I, some of it I find cute. Some of it I find annoying. Yeah, like 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 when he falls down the stairs. Yeah, That's and she's name. kind of like, oh, I've never been to a dance. Nobody's ever asked me. And he's kind of like, oh, right, okay. But she can't say, take me to a dance, because it's the 1913. It's the 1913. It's the year 1913. Um, anyway, I think when their first interaction, when he drops the books and stuff, is very sweet. I kind of like seeing him as like a bumbling kind of, but the more it goes on, the more I'm just being like, like okay, right, fine, heads up. Um, it's going to appear somewhere later in the episode, which might tell you something as a bit of a spoiler. But I fucking the scene with the cricket ball and the piano is just. Girl, no, let's talk about it now because I was about to bring it up. The most midsummer murders thing I've ever seen. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I just so I right. don't I don't like when he did that. I actually Rob Mars. I was like, actually get fucked. Like, what are you doing? That's so weird. Um. I don't know. I just think for me, as always, Martha is the highlight of the episode. She, Freema is just carrying this on her back. Like genuinely, a lot of people say David is, and I get why, because he completely transforms in the episode. But no, Freema is that bitch. She always will be that bitch. Love her to death. We all know this, but oh my God. Like, do you know what bit actually sent me? It absolutely sent me to the stratosphere. Is when like when she barges in and then and then he's like, "Oh, what have I told you, Miss Jones, about knocking?" And then she goes to the door, knocks, and he's like, "All right, cool, I've done it. Come back in." Like that was the bit. So she has really great physical comedy, and I don't think people appreciate that enough. Um, yeah, yeah, the way she does that knock is very good. And like the way Martha and Jenny's friendship. Martha and Jenny's friendship. Why do I feel more for that friendship than the romance? Do you know what I mean? Like that friendship is everything. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary to me no they're very they're very sweet they thought i'm having a good time and yeah and like oh. it reminds me a lot of i like 
I expected her, you know, when she's talking to Jenna, I think it's when they're sitting outside the pub and she's like, oh, but this place where you come from, where, you know, women can, you know, do all these things. She's like, you know, I was just like, yeah, she's like, yeah, from London, you know, like where the, you know, the suffrage hasn't reached us yet. I always, I was expecting and I was getting my episodes mixed up. Um, she's going to be like, that place you come from, Fredonia, because I was just thinking of the Shakespeare cover. That's kind of, it had that kind of yeah. flavour to it, you know. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I'm from a different place where, you know, actually it's really cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And of course, also genuinely important as well. You know, what I mean, like suffrage happened in yeah. cities. It was still also targeted basically at just middle class women. Yeah. No, middle class women, upper class women, like the the women of the only men who could vote. They were allowed to vote. You know, obviously, women suffrage. It's good. I yes. realise now it sounds like I'm kind of going fucking suffrage. It was amazing. No, no. But <laughs> it's important to draw attention to the fact that it was still incredibly rooted in class issues. No, absolutely. Um, but you know, their friendship just those the scenes with them together was so good. And I mean, the bit where they're scrubbing the floor is so like, I don't know, like obviously because it enrages you. It absolutely enrages you, yeah. you know? Right. Go with, me, go with me here. I'm going with you. Okay. You know who, you know what their friendship reminds me of and you know who she reminds me of. Right. Remember the cinematic masterpiece and it is genuinely a masterpiece, although, you know, fuck Johnny Depp. Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is so this is so niche. This is exactly what it reminds me of. And it's only because the line delivery lives rent free in my head. You know Elizabeth's like housemaid who yeah. just sits on the edge of her bed and is like, you know, like, well, he's a fine man. But that Will Turner, he's a fine man too, miss. If that's yeah. not too bold. And then she's like, that is too bold. That's that's what they are. That They're is Elizabeth what they are. and the housemaid, whose name they I absolutely are. sorry about that. But that is the friendship. I don't know why. I feel that you I know. I see it in my head. I don't know why, but I thought you were going to say the two like pirates that are like really goofy, and that one of them has an eye that you can remove. I thought you were going to say that, and I was going to be like, "No, what are you talking about?" But then, oh, Pintel and Rigetti, of course not. No, no, no. no. But then, then you got to the point, and I agreed. <laughs> no, absolutely. I just think. Oh wow, fucking they hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> I just think. I don't know, but even then, Freema and the actress who plays Jenny, Rebecca Statton, I think that's how you say her name. She, even the bit where obviously Jenny so unfortunately gets killed, which is so sad. I actually was really sad. I was like, "What the fuck? That's my best friend." What do you mean? Um, when she gets taken over by a mother, the the a mother of mine, um, and they have that little uh, leftover afternoon tea. Even the way um, Jenny kind of, well, not Jenny, mother of mine, kind of uh, the the actress, Rebecca, Rebecca, sorry. My brain is not, my, my, my head is not uh, screwed on. Um, Rebecca is just kind of like, oh, I think I've got a bit of a cold, you know. I like that. And, and she's just, she's so menacing and so funny at the same time. Do you know what I mean? And then like yeah. Freema being she's like. She's the one I remember most. Yeah. Yeah. Her and Baines. Freema being like, oh, I could put some gravy on the pot. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it really made me laugh. I don't know why. Um, and it's sad as well because. That would have been a lovely little afternoon. I know, I know. Victoria sponge cake, some tea. Oh, R.I.P. Jenny, you're a real one. Do you know what I mean? Um, but you know the the acting, the cast in this episode, it's so insane. Because Thomas Brodie's Hankster, right? My guy Thomas, yeah, he was the child actor of the UK. Don't even at me. He was. I mean, oh, still God. amazing actor. He doesn't do as much now, but like in terms of child acting, you know, wow, yeah, amazing. He was so good in this episode, and in the next part as well. Yeah, although I always kind of forget what his deal is, and then when he starts hearing things, I'm always like... Because he's psychic, or something like that. Wait for part two, to yeah. get more thoughts. Um, I do actually... Sorry, I, I do actually think um, that scene where he sees into the future... I think I like the idea of it being set in 1913, and the kind of looming spectre of the First World War kind of being interesting and i yeah. like that joan reads about it in the diary of um, the journal of impossible things oh my god oh my god yeah. i think maybe seeing the flash forward of it a little bit kind of just feels like we're going a bit too into literal territory rather than losing some of the thematic poignancy like i'd rather have the kid say to someone that he sees like images of him and like that guy's a bit of a dick to him at school dying in the mud and the blood and the wire rather than watching it and again, I'm pretty sure there's more clips of it in part two. I just think it, you lose a bit of the, the richness of the text sometimes when you go a bit too literal with it. 
I yeah. I will say my favourite one of those, though, is when Martha bumps into him and he sees, like, Martha bumping into him in the future almost. Like, she's got her actual clothes on. Not her red jacket for once, thank God. Um, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't mind him having visions. I just think it's the, the thematic resonance of the First World War doesn't really work with him seeing visions about it. Yeah, that we see I on do screen. think. I don't. I, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think it should have been kept a bit more of like a not mystery because we know it happens, but like more of like a. Yeah, I don't know. it's nice sometimes, and then you feel rewarded as an audience member when you are able to piece together basic GCSE history. Yeah. Going. Oh wow, he's talking about wire and mud and blood, and it's 1913. Pretty sure there was a big war the next year. Yeah, 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 um, exactly. Um, yeah, you know, just feels a bit more rewarding for the audience when you put when you put the time. Yeah. You know, the cast is brilliant, and I think Harry Lloyd, right? Okay, bear with me here. I really like Harry Lloyd. I've seen a lot of stuff he's done, actually. Uh, really underrated performance in The Lost King. Is it The Lost King? The one about the king in the car park? The one with um, Sally Hawkins? Yeah, I think he, it is The Lost King. It's he played Richard, Richard III. He played Richard III. I've still not seen The Lost King, by the way. Absolutely um, should. Hashtag it. not spawn. Absolutely should. Oh no, I really want to, but I didn't know that was him. I might go watch it now because I love Steve Coogan, I love Sonny Hawkins, and I like Beans. It's a really good film. It's really good. Um, yeah, Harry Lloyd as Baines. Just to clarify, Baines. Um, it's so camp. He's so camp in this, and it's bordering on really rubbish. Like genuinely, it's kind of like <laughs> um, it's kind of like Anthony Head in School Reunion. It's borderline mm. awful, which makes it iconic and amazing because like it's it's the way he's just like his face his facial expressions are interesting in this yeah it's the smirk it's the constant smirk on his face and like my favorite thing he says in this is when he's like shut up stop talking that's a good girl and it's like oh my god what he's so weird Ah! i think he does he does manage to i think even though it's very camp managed to inhabit two different versions of his character oh very for sure well. yeah in a way that i think the only in a way that i think only him and um mother of mine i've forgotten her name again already um Rebecca. stick out i feel like they are the they are the two best at having distinct versions of their characters i guess it's because we don't really spend time with father or daughter of mine really before they get no we don't duped so they always are the two that stick out most in my mind it's so oh wow the family are actually very camp like the sniffing the head tilt, the the green light hitting their face when they talk to each other, like that is funny. That's funny. Ha ha. How um, how do you feel about scarecrows? Right. Um. Like I said at the start, they're creepy, uh, and they have a job to do, and that's all. That's all there is to it, really. But I will say, over with with the scarecrows in this two part, it will come more in the second part, I think, because they're they're he- they're more heavily involved in the second part. But the scene with the farmer, the guy who eventually becomes father of mine, is fucking creepy as hell. Like that shit's creepy. Like it's 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 the score. It's the little ding ding, ding ding in the score. Um, and then with the little girl when she's like skipping down the road, and then suddenly a bunch of oh, 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 a scarecrow kidnaps. Her. It's 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 awfully terrifying. But then I just kind of feel like you can see that it's a man inside of it when you focus on it too long. I don't know. I feel really mixed about yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like the best scene involving them is maybe when um, John Smith is like, oh, gosh, that scarecrow's all askew. Um, yeah, yeah. Breaks his date to go fix a scarecrow because he's a pick-me. Um, he's also a mansplainer, which we'll get to. But yeah, it's 1913. What did women know? Um, oh my god no but like you know with the journal of impossible things right which by the way can i say is an amazing prop the journal of impossible things is an amazing prop like whoever i would like i would like a replica i mean you can buy one yeah but i'm not doing that but if someone wants to send me one uh, because genuinely (laughs) character options one of the best things they ever did was release a journal of impossible things that you could buy with the fob watch like iconic actually iconic Uh, and the pages were actually filled as well which was cool um, I still really want one, so if anyone's selling one, let me know. Um, but like when he when he's got it, and then like Martha comes in because um, they've discovered who the Doctor is, which is you know John Smith, and then <laughs> she's like, "Bro, you've got to change back. You're the Doctor. We need to go. Where's the fob watch?" And then he's like, "Ah, cultural differences, Martha. 
this is a work of fiction. It's a story. And it's like, hey, dickhead, shut up. Like, <laughs> and then he's just like always explaining things. Like, he's just mansplaining throughout this whole episode. And it's like, oh, uh, shut up. Shut up. But also, effective. It's effective. Because in, it, yeah, yeah. That's but exactly like, what he'd be doing. No, exactly. But also, but also shut annoying. up. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. So I think, yeah, the scene where he goes to fix the scarecrow is the best scene involving the scarecrow just because I like in horror movies and things when you have a scary thing and someone starts interacting with the scary thing but you don't get a scare out of it. Mm-hmm. Because it keeps you on constant edge all the time. Yeah. If you say those scarecrows are scary and they're possessed, then the more that someone spends 10 minutes fiddling around with a scarecrow that's not doing anything, the more you're just going to be sat there going, oh my god, it's going to do something. Great tool. Love in horror movies do it. They don't do it enough. It's the why... It's why you can talk about the the movies and the quality of them as much as you want. The kitchen jump scare from Paranormal Activity 2 is one of the best things ever done in the horror space because the kitchen's not scary and you spend like five minutes looking at it and then suddenly the cupboards fly open. Good stuff. But yeah, so essentially, I think the scarecrows are... They're really cool design, I'll say that much. They are. Um, I just think the physicality... The physicality is good as well. It's just, I don't know, at some point when you stare at them for too long, you're like, there's a man in there. And it's just, yeah, it just kind of loses me a little bit. But it's not terrible. It's not terrible. Something that I want to talk about is the idea of the Doctor changing into a human. Because that's my favourite thing about this episode, is the fact that the Doctor... Like, we, see, we see the Doctor, obviously, because Doctor Who, this is what it's about, fighting monsters, aliens, and overcoming bad people, right? This is the one time where the Doctor, you get the sense of the Doctor's like, oh no, there really is no winning here, unless... This is the biggest thing I'm going to have to do because this is really serious. Like, you never get the sense of the Doctor's losing, and you get a glimpse of that, and I really like that. The way it's revealed, I love so much. I think that was done really well. I do think it, it loses a little, just because they had to do it at the start, having him kind of be like, you know, oh my God, we're being chased. Oh no. I suppose I'll have to do this thing that I never wanted to do because it's so massive and changes everything. Which like, I I, I appreciate you have to do a quick bit of exposition to get it done, but it means it feels a bit half-hearted because you've obviously not been through it. You've not seen him exhaust his options, I guess. Um, but I also appreciate that you can't really get him to exhaust his options. Um, but yeah, I like the, the opening's good kind of breakneck, but I like the, the the later scene with Martha where it kind of just does some really skillful, like, I know you do see it a bit more, but like when the head thing drops down from <laughs> the head thing. Oh my God, um, yeah, the, the, the headpiece, yeah. yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure there's a name for it. Drops down from the ceiling and Chameleon he first puts it... Yeah, is that the chameleon arch? Is the watch the chameleon, chameleon arch? arch. I don't know. Chameleon arch is what the headpiece is. Yeah, sorry, it just came to me yeah. in a flash of light. I always thought the watch was the chameleon arch. I don't know. Um, so yeah, when the when the headpiece, the chameleon arch comes down, uh, I I like that you kind of get that quick glimpse of him in pain, and then you get that really good kind of cutting both to Martha in the TARDIS and modern modern day, but current Martha kind of crying and kind of processing the emotions a little i think the second cut they yeah. do have it go on maybe just a bit too long david's doing writhing in pain very well but it's getting a little silly watching 10 scream is horrible though like genuinely when i was younger i actually couldn't watch this like it was really hard for me to watch because i just didn't like seeing pe- i don't like seeing people in pain you know shock yeah but like i don't and i really didn't like seeing david like screaming in pain it was really hard to watch which is good it did its job um and i think I, I like that Mar- you just again Freema, just wonderful actress that you are. God, I love you. Um, she just looks terrified, absolutely terrified. She's like, "What the fuck?" Because here's the thing: circling back to something I said at the start of the episode about how, <laughs> you know, even though the TARDIS is taking them to a new location and the TARDIS is picking that location, the Doctor didn't. The TARDIS did. Um, yeah. And they're picking names and identities and the TARDIS is just sorting everything out. It's still a lot of fucking pressure to put on someone. Like the doctor's like, you, it all depends on you, Martha. It all depends on you. And it's like, whoa, hold on a minute. Yeah. I didn't sign up for this. You yeah, know? I, yeah. It's it's a lot, and I you would be terrified. You would be absolutely terrified. You don't know where you're and going. It's not like Yeah, yeah. And he's not gonna he's not gonna know who you are. Like I know it's that kind of he'll 
just going to feel that you're right, like you belong in his world and will sort of keep you with him, but like he's still not going to like you. Because he can't just go and drop Martha off home and then him run off and hide because they will find her and then, you know, she's in danger. Like, you know, it's, it's a whole thing. But it's the way he's just like, Martha, it's all down to you. You know, you've got to do it. And it's like, hold on a minute. Also, when did he get a chance to record that video message? That's always confused me. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, there's like... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, quick, run in, do this, and then, oh, there's a video message? Yeah, it's... I assume that there... No, I I don't know where that sort of slots in. Maybe there's time between the cold open and then the bit that you see later on, but yeah, it's a bit sort of um, odd. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe he's just got like... He's just got like stacks and stacks of databases that he keeps updated depending on who's in there. It's like you have to. It's like it's like the the, the good Doctor Who DVDs with the you know, select audio navigation. Press enter now. Maybe it's like yeah. As soon oh, as yeah. you touch the TARDIS console, it's like hello Martha. To select, press one yeah. for yeah. the Doctor is dead. Press two for the TARDIS is flying away. I guess it's like it's like nine doing the you know the recorded video message for Rose. Right? Maybe there's just options. To play. But yeah, it's very confusing. I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought that. But I love the Doctor's message to Martha because, even though it does make sense, um, I do love it because you get, if you're a nerd and you go look it up, um, like me, you go look it up and there's a deleted scene, except it's like an extra bit of footage that they've included on like a DVD, I believe. And it's of David, basically, the, his whole take of his message to Martha and he starts off with, you know, hi, Martha, right, um, you know, don't let me abandon you, da 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 And then in the middle, David's like, and now I'm going to talk for another minute or so, because I have to for the recording, because that's what I've been told. Uh, and then he's just him talking about a geek he went to go see as a teenager. And then he starts, you know, it's actually gone viral on TikTok, the audio. It's um, David going, bingle bongle, dingle dangle, yickety too, yickety ta, lippy taffy too ta, or something like that. He's just making noises. It's hilarious. And then he goes. Is that not? Uh, no, that's, yeah, no. That's the thing. I hear that all the time, and I always get that confused with. Um, I always get that confused with midnight because you know when he's like when he's talking to Sky and trying to outwit her, and he kind of does the like bingle bongle bangle like that. You know, I always think yeah, that's yeah, from yeah. that because of it. Being... Shamble, bumble, dibble, dooble. That's what he says in midnight, and I hate that I know that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's very similar. But yeah, no, that's from the deleted scene of David recording. Uh, so they can like, use it to speed it up and stuff. But I love that we got that. <laughs> and of course it gives me big, you know, don't blink. Not even once. Yes. Can't Very much so. Um, but yeah, I just think overall, this episode, you get the, that cliffhanger at the end with the dance. Yeah, which is fine. You know, John Smith asking Nurse Redfern to the dance. It's fine. I will say the set for that hall, I guess it's kind of on theme. It just looks a bit shit, but maybe that's just because it's period accurate. I don't know. You don't get a sense of the space because especially when father of mine walks in and goes, everyone shut up. Stop talking. No, no, well, no, he doesn't say that. He's like, everyone quiet, quiet. I said quiet. And it's like, no one's talking. Yeah. Everyone's just kind of waiting for <laughs> you. It's really weird. <laughs> um, And then, yeah, they find him and they like, you know, Baines kind of threatens him and is like, change back! And then holds the two women beside each other, which I, I just, ugh, I roll. I don't know. I just don't care for that. It's kind of No, annoying. it's a little like, um, oh, the woman that you love or your friend. It's like, okay. It's like, I roll. I roll. Yeah. Although, to be fair, this is probably the last thing of any substance I have to say. At least be grateful that they didn't try and carry on the love arc. Like, you, obviously, because I think in this, there's lots of, you know, oh, Martha clearly has ideas above her. And I'm putting this in inverted commas, station. Um, yeah. In terms of how she feels about John Smith. But at least no one's really like, yeah, oh, it's because you love him and him. And her being like, oh, yeah, no, I do. And like, yeah, and he won't even look at me because he's now a human. And, you know, at the end, she's not like, oh, it's not the woman he loves and his friend. It's the woman who loves him and his friend. You know what I mean? I'm glad that they just kind of, yeah, I'm glad that that's kind of been brushed aside. Because obviously it does get brought up when Jenny's like, I don't know why he's so sweet on him and all that. And then like Martha being like, you have to go fall in love with a human and it wasn't me. Like, I think that was just enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In that episode. And I'm glad that, I'm, I'm, I agree, I'm glad they didn't do that. So to kind of close this off, I guess, last thing we want to say is, so going back to the Journal of Impossible Things, which again, I think is a really great prop and whoever kind of constructed that, like well done, like that, it's beautiful. Uh, even though, 
Jessica Hines looks like a three-year-old and Paul McGann's looking a bit weird. But it's the apparently, from what I know, uh, if I'm wrong, correct me, but it's the first time in New Who and that, uh, that they acknowledge that the Eighth Doctor is canon. Like, he is actually the yeah, Eighth Doctor. Right. Like, yeah. Because Big, Big Finish didn't have... Kind of big, that's why Big Finish could only use very specific things. Yeah. Um, and it's why, you know, they could only use... Like, if you go and listen to... Um, a sort of Fifth Doctor audio adventure from kind of when they started, uh, you know, even through the early two thousands, um, they play like the first Doctor's theme because they just don't have mm. the rights to everything, and so because obviously uh, the the doc- that he was a Doctor of the TV movie, which also was made kind of outside of the BBC, and then carried on in Big Finish, which is also outside the BBC, just no one knew if he actually. In official canon, obviously everybody always knew him as the Doctor, but in official canon, and the way they could officially refer to everything was he actually the Doctor, or just kind of a a weird kind of midpoint curiosity that people would forget in like a few years. And of course, thankfully, they got everything sorted out. And I think wasn't isn't there, there's loads of apocryphal tales of stuff like you know the the BBC being like you know oh here's some stuff happening at Big Finish and Ross T Davies kind of being like yeah I'll deal with it personally because he didn't want the BBC to basically realise that they were doing probably not very legal things with BBC copyright. I mean, um, I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I'm not like 100% cleared up on it, but obviously, thankfully, Big Finish are all all, all good now. <laughs> alleged, babe. All it's board. all alleged, do you know what I mean? Um, yes. But yeah, so, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because that's really important because um, we love Paul McGann the beaut- on this podcast. The beautiful Eighth Doctor is real. Yeah. And we love him. But yeah, so that is human nature. What a time. Yeah. What a what a what a weird one. Bounced around a lot, but you know what? It's because it's not consistently interesting, so we're not gonna try and be consistently interesting. <laughs> okay, so we're at the wrap up where we talk about our standout moment. A moment that didn't work. Our most doctory moment and our favourite quote. Right off, before we go anywhere, anywhere near this, the most doctory moment doesn't really count in this episode, does it? Because he's not the doctor. I mean, I know you don't necessarily like him, but, you know, I'll raise you and we'll try and do a most John Smithy moment. So it doesn't have to be a moment that we like, but it's the most in-character for John Smith moment. Like when we did the most Elton-y moment from Love and Monsters. I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. So, standout moment. Easy. Uh, it's Martha visiting the TARDIS and watching the video messages, seeing the chameleon arch take effect. It's really good. It's the only thing that makes you feel anything in the episode. Uh, Freeman's acting is amazing. And, again, I think that first bit where you don't linger on it for too long of David kind of throwing himself around and screaming um, is just really, like, a really masterful bit of editing and sort of visual storytelling, actually. I really like it. Absolutely same. Spot on. Absolutely spot on. Just all of that. Yeah. Same for me. I feel like we might match on both of these, actually. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure, but maybe. So, what didn't work for you? So a, mo- so a moment that didn't work. Because sometimes we don't necessarily just pick moments, but a moment that didn't work. Um, yeah, it's the it's the piano falling and the cricket ball being thrown. And honestly, I just blanked that scene out of my head. It's very funny, very silly, very poorly shot and executed and edited together. Um, bad. Yeah, same. Yep. Yeah. It's giving it's Midsummer murders. And if you're a fan of Midsummer murders, or you work on Midsummer murders, I'm so sorry, but it's oh, not. No, it's fine. <laughs> Midsummer, as I say, Midsummer murders, good, fine. People, people enjoy it. Enjoy, it takes a lot of work to go into it, but you know, it's, it's not what I want from a Doctor Who. It's not what we want. So, most John Smith moment then, instead of Doctor moment this week. Um, what are you saying? Um, I would say the moment that feels most like, oh, that's that's classic John Smith is uh, actually not just because it's a moment I like as well, but it, it's maybe going to fix the uh, going to fix the scarecrow because he feels like the kind of fucking idiot who would interrupt a lovely romantic stroll across a hill to go, oh god, look look at that scarecrow, oh dear. And then go and try and fix it for no reason whatsoever. I like that. That's so John Smith. When Latimer, as in Thomas Brody Sangster, comes to uh, comes to him and says, like, he's, oh, you wanted me to come and collect a book from you? 
and he's like, you know, your your grades are kind of slipping. And he's like, well, I'm at the top of my class. I said, yeah, but you could be better. And I know you're being bullied, but like, get over it. Yeah. I know. I do like that where he's like, you know, it's because you're worried about people taking the piss out of you when you give answers or don't be. Yeah. It's like, wow, thanks for being so unhelpful, you dick. Um, t- And then like kind of, you know, allowing what's his name to go give him a beating. Like, oh, God, I know that's very off the time, but still it's like, oh, wow. Wow, we love hitting children. Not we, not us. Can I clarify? Like, it's just a saying. Yeah, so I was going to clip that out of context. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> favorite quotes then, if you have any, w- what are you saying? <laughs> you already mentioned it, and I think you probably got the quote more accurate than I did, actually. But yeah, the the shut up, stop talking, cease and desist, girl. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's fucking hilarious. Just sent me. I wasn't expecting it. Very, very funny. Harry Lloyd. You're the you're a real one. Um, mine is actually different. It's a bit it's a bit different, but I don't know why. But when she said it, I was just like, oh. When Hutchinson and Baines walk over Martha's clean floor, Martha and Jenny's clean floor, and they're just horrifically racist to her. Um, and then Jenny says, "Just think of it. In a few years' time, boys like that, they'll be running the country." And then obviously afterwards, Martha says, "You know, 1913, they might not." She's pretty fucking morbid. <laughs> Yeah, I know. But when Jenny said that, I was like, eek, that's tea. That's actually tea. I mean, also, by the way, can I clarify? Martha's completely in the right for that. I just love the I just love the fact that I was like, oh, they're going to be running the country. And then she, in her head, she's going, actually, hopefully they might die. Um, yeah, they might just die. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I just really like that quote because it's true. Yeah. So, uh, no ranking this week, as per with two-parters. You're going to have to wait for next week to hear both rankings and then an overall ranking of the two-part episode. Why? Because we're annoying as fuck. Um, <laughs> it keeps you coming back. It's good for engagement. Exactly, exactly. So, that brings the curtains down on another wonderful episode of the Come Along Pond podcast. The gayest show in the galaxy. I hope you had fun. We sure did. Kind of. If you like what you heard and you want to support the show, you can do that now in one of two magical ways. You can join the lovely folks over on Patreon. We have one tier. It's £3. It's the companion tier. For that, you get a shout-out on the show, just like Lewis, like River, like Jason, like Becca Judson-Smith, like Amy Potts, like David Cummings, like Jack Wilson, like Jack Parker, like Ben Somersault, and newcomer uh, Miria. Sorry if that's not how you pronounce your name. Sarah. They have all pledged, as I say, £3, the companion tier. Patreon.com forward slash come along pond podcast. However... If you don't want to have a reoccurring billing, I understand times are hard. Cozzy lives, babe. But Kofi.com forward slash come along podcast. You can make a one-off donation to shout us the price of a cup of coffee, either for me or Damler or both of us, if you're feeling generous. Um, that will have just been announced when you're hearing this. So check out the link tree. You can find it there with everything else. However, if you don't want to spend money on us. Honestly, I understand. I barely want to spend money on us. You can. Email the show, comealongpompod at gmail.com. Any thoughts, questions, queries, anything you want to say, and you can get a shout-out like Laura, like Laura, like Amy, like Alex. They're wonderful. You can be wonderful, too. Email not your thing, because it's not 1995. Not a problem. Or 1913. Or 1913, thank God. You, you can deliver it to us via Carrier Pigeon or Telegram if you want, but I don't know how that works. Um... <laughs> Speaking of things that are outdated and racist, we do have a Twitter. Um, come along, Pond DW. We don't really use it, but we do announce when there is an episode going live. And if you would tweet at us or send us a DM or tag us in something, we will definitely check it out. Um, it's only me who runs that, so you'll get to see the dumpster fire of when I'm allowed to be left in charge of content. However, more of a modern gal. Good for you. I see you. You're like riding the tube with your tote bag and your new proctor socks. Maybe a little anklet on. Of course, I see that. That's absolutely fine. That means that you use TikTok. Over there, Come Along Pond podcast. I'm sure you've already found the TikTok and that's how you're listening to this. However, we post silly little clips, fun little vignettes, and we get dickheads in the comments and we like to be mean about them on our actual show. Go give us a follow over there. So many of you over there, and so many of you, even though you can't listen to this because that's impossibility, don't listen to the show. So what are you doing? Migrate away. However, your one-stop shop, Instagram, you've got reels, you've got stories, you've got polls, you've got photographs, you got DMs an Instagram Live. That's right, archived over there. You can go check out our Instagram Live if you missed it. We're celebrating 1,000 followers, even though we are now rapidly approaching 2,000. 
But it's a lot of fun. That's your main place to get updates about the show, updates about our lives, and down dates about everything else. Don't know what down dates are, but I like the synergy of the words. That's everything I've got to say. Instagram, come on, Pom Podcast. Damla, what are you saying? I'm saying I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so tired, but. <laughs> also, I had so much fun as always. Um, can't wait to talk about the next part next week. It's going to be a fucking time as always. But you know what? Elliot, thank you for joining me. Down there, it's been lovely as always speaking with you. I've missed yes, you. Yes, it's been. I've missed you. I miss you. I miss you all the time. Are yeah. you joking? I do. I miss your face. I'm I'm, I'm reaching through the computer screen. Oh, everyone except Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um. So yes, that's been Come Along Pond. You've been hopefully <laughs> listening, and this we are ready to open our windows because it's hot in here. It is hot in here. <laughs> Incidentally, it's been very lovely talking to all of you at home as well. And we give you air from our lungs. <sighs> Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. And remember, those who don't learn from history are doomed to have these cunts as prime ministers. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.